kingdom concepts is the spirit-filled congregation. Amen. The sovereignty of the Holy Spirit in the church. And now notice that we actually gave you the sheets up front this time because we're trying to make it, uh, we're trying to meet you where you are. If you, have a, if you have an issue bringing them back, hopefully, maybe you can catch it while the lesson is going forth and you can go ahead and fill it out as we're going. And then you can turn them in like that. But if you don't finish, then you got to take it home and finish. Amen? Amen. So, you know, just try to, you know, be attentive because we will cover everything that's on, that's on the sheet. Okay, so we're going to start with 2 Corinthians 3 and 17. Can I get a volunteer to read that, please? Uh, Greg, give her a microphone. Because we, we, we record it. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay, I'm reading out the King James Version. Yes, ma'am. Second uh, Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Thank you for that. Okay, now as we examine 2 Corinthians 3 and 17, one thing we'll notice is the fact that the Lord and liberty are pretty much placed side by side. Amen? They almost seem like they are completely contrary in nature to the degree that you can't have one if the other is not present. You can't have liberty if you don't have Lord. Amen? Amen. Lord means, the, the Greek word for Lord is kureos, kureos, K-Y-R-I, I'm sorry, K-Y-R-I-O-S. It means, everybody got a pen? Everybody got a pen now? Okay, Kureos, he to whom a person belongs, who has power over that person's decisions. That's what Kureos means, Lord. Lord is he to whom a person belongs, who has power over that person's decision. It means master or possessor. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Or where there are believers who belong to the spirit as master. Where the Holy Spirit has power to decide what's said, what's done, and, what, and what's thought, there is liberty. Where the Spirit is master, there is liberty. The word liberty is a governmental term. It's a governmental term, okay? But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit, where the Spirit is master, there is liberty. Now, liberty and government. Liberty is freedom from arbitrary, despotic, or tyrannical forms of government. We were created to function as people only one way, and that's under government. That's the way people were created, to function, under government. So right now, at this very moment, everybody right now is under government. You're under a government right now. We are governmental beings. Both God and Satan understand the principle of governmental. 
And see, when you think about it, you're talking about thinking about governmental, but we're talking about govern, governmental. Governmental. Amen? The spirit realm is actually what governs our mental state. How we think, how we talk, how we act are under government. So based on what we are doing, lets us know what government we are under. Amen? It's almost like, uh, you know, you live, in a, you live in the United States, and there's somebody else that lives in Pakistan. There's different rules that they are governed by. You understand what I'm saying? Same thing in the, in the realm of the spirit, in the realm of the, in the realm of the spirit as it pertains to us it, for our soulless state. There, there, there are things that we are governed by, things that, that cause us to act certain ways, so forth, so forth and so on. And I'm, I'm going to get into it in a minute. We are governmental beings. How we think, how we talk, how we act are under government. Our mental state or our soulish condition, how we think, how we feel, how we act, how we talk are under spiritual government right now. There is no such thing as a free thinker. How many people think there's a free, th free thinker? There's a such thing. You, you understand that you're getting that thought, that thought from somewhere. So we know that we got to check the source of our thoughts and understand what is trying to pull us under government. If, if, I, if, 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 if I'm pulled under that government, that means I'm subjected to the laws in that government. Amen? I subject myself to the laws in that government. There is no such thing as a free, a free thinker. Every individual mind's mental state is under government right now. What you thinking about right now? Don't answer that. But it's under government. You're getting that thought from somewhere. Amen? The Holy Spirit freedom is freedom from every other form of government. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom from any other form of spirit that desires to exercise governmental rule over us besides the Spirit of God. See, the Spirit, the spirit of the Lord is the head of all principality. Once we're governed by the Spirit of the Lord, even though he's going to work, he's going to co-labor with us, we choose to yield to him. And based on our obedience and yielding unto him, we're entered into a government of joy, peace, righteousness, overcoming. That's our government. But when we don't yield to him, then we pull unto a, sa uh, unto a satanic government. We get, we're angry. We're mad. Uh, we're, we're, we, we experience fatigue, you know, sometimes illness, all kinds of things that come along with being under that government. Amen? Amen. Amen. The Holy, Spirit is, the Holy Spirit is the government of God. The Holy Spirit is governmental or how he governs our mental state. To the degree we yield ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit, the government of God is, is the degree where we are free from submitting to, demonic, to the demonic government of Satan. To, the, to that degree, submission to God is liberation. If not, then we're subject to the government of, the, of Satan and everything that comes along with it. Where the spirit of the Lord is, and this is going to be repetitive. Where the spirit of the Lord is, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is governing your mental state, there is liberty. From having your mental state governed by Satan's 
kingdom of darkness. So you understand that we're dealing with two different kingdoms. Amen. You have the kingdom of God. You have the kingdom of darkness. If you're if you're if you're not have not submitted yourself into the Lord and partaking of his liberty, then you can only be in the kingdom of darkness. Like there is no in between. I don't care if there was only one light in this room. That one light would reach to everywhere in this room. You're going to see that light from somewhere. It ain't going to be dark. This room could not be considered dark because there was a light there. Amen. The liberty of God's government, how we think, how we feel and act and talk indicates what spiritual government we're under. So even in your common conversations throughout the day, how you what you're talking about, how you respond to different things as dick that dictates what government that you are actually under, what you are actually a citizen of. Because that's what we're coming to be citizens of the kingdom of God. And I'm going to say something here in a second. But first, we're going to go to Romans 14 and 17. And I'm going to ask for a volunteer. And I'm going to any, many, many more in a minute. Nope, nope. let you get a note. Somebody else. Dawn says she'll read it. Give her a microphone. Yes, ma'am. Romans 14 and 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That is the kingdom of God. And those are benefits of the kingdom of God. Every government got benefits. You might not want to partake of them if we're under the wrong. You know, depression is a benefit. Anxiety is a benefit. Not of the kingdom of God, but of the kingdom of Satan. When we when we're influenced by those different those different emotions and those different things in our lives, we are actually under the rulership of another kingdom at that point in time. Not necessarily that you are completely owned by the kingdom of darkness, but you've submitted yourself at that point in time to the to the kingdom of darkness. Amen. And you can you can you can recognize that, and all it takes is is a heart shift, a positional a positional shift, a, a a mental mind check, and you can pull yourself out of that and come right back unto the kingdom of liberty. Amen. Where the spirit of the Lord is, we have liberty to experience continued righteousness or continued victory over sin and temptation. We have liberty to experience peace or continued exemption. From rage, havoc, anxiety, and the like. And we have liberty to experience continued joy, gladness, and cheerfulness. In the government, there is governments have benefits. I'll tell you uh, just an example. A friend of mine uh, worked in Saudi Arabia for five years. As a benefit of the people that went that, that were under that government, all the children, the prince of Saudi Arabia, pays for their college. Every child goes to college for free. And the prince of Saudi Arabia pays for that person. Somebody say benefit. 
Come on. So what did God pay for personally? For us. For our benefit. You understand what I'm saying? Joy, righteousness, peace in the Holy Ghost. That's our benefit. That's what we get to benefit from. We don't have to wake up uh, uh, frustrated. We don't have to go throughout the day frustrated. We don't have to wake up even if we got a long night's sleep. We don't have to wake up with fatigue. We don't have to, uh, we don't have to endure uh, uh, certain things longer than it have to because that's a benefit. It's a benefit of God. Joy is a benefit of God. Overcoming is a benefit of God. And that's just what we have. That's just what we, we have just because we're under that government. Where the, spirit of the, where the spirit of the Lord is, we maintain a righteous, victorious, and obedient lifestyle. We walk in peace, and we always have joy. Come on. Everybody knows that there's a difference between joy and happiness. Somebody tell me what's the difference between joy and happiness. Amen. That's a good one. Somebody else. Can't nobody take it from you. Somebody else. Happiness is temporary. Somebody else. Amen. Amen. We 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 get what you're saying. That's right. That's right. You know, joy. Joy is everlasting. Happiness. Happiness is when I'm I'm just I'm good with whatever's happening. As long as it's whatever's happening, I'm fine with, then I'm, then I'm happy at the time. It's temporary. Amen? Amen. So we get, we get a joy that, that overrides happiness. It don't matter, matter if we're happy or not. It don't matter if things are going our way or not. We can still have that joy. And, that, and how many know that's where the strength comes from? Amen. If there is no consistent righteousness, no consistent peace, and no consistent joy, the spirit... The Lord's spirit isn't the sole governing force of our mental and soulish state. There are other governmental influences in our lives. So if, if, if there is no consistent righteousness, if there is no consistent peace, if there is no consistent joy, the spirit of the Lord isn't governing at that point in time. Whatever time that we don't that we don't have that, there is another spirit that is governing the affair our affairs. Put it like that. God's government is a government of love. Because God's government is a government of love, all of his citizens benefit from being under his rule. Romans 15 and 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is God's government. God's government yields to us joy and peace only as, as we believe. In other words, it takes faith to enter into that. It takes faith, not, not, to, enter, not, not to say faith that I'm going to be happy, but faith in what he's, he's accomplished for, for my joy. Amen? God's government operates by faith. One thing we got to understand, that there is no more sacrifice for sin. There's no more sacrifice for anything other than the sacrifice of the fruit of our lips. Now, you know, of course, of course we turn over our plates and things of that nature. But what we, we got to understand is that we, by faith, we present ourselves to God through Jesus Christ. 
if we don't present ourselves to God through Jesus Christ, guess what? We are not accepted. It is through Christ where we are, how we are accepted. That is how God sees us as Christ because we, 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 pre, we present ourselves to God through Christ Jesus. By faith. By faith. I don't present me and all my flaws. God, I thank you that you made me righteous in your son, Christ Jesus. God, I bless you through Christ Jesus. God, I thank you through Christ Jesus. Even my thanks ain't no good if I can't do it through Christ. Because my righteousness is filthy rags. No matter how much I do good, no matter how, how much I pray, no matter how, if I do it in me, it's filthy rags. I have to do it through Christ. Amen? The life is in Christ. I'm viewed as a son of God through Christ. You're viewed as a daughter of God through Christ. Amen. Okay, we can't benefit from the blessings of his righteousness or consistent victory over sin and temptation, his joy and his peace without living by faith. We got to get that part. We got to live by faith, the totality of life. Because anything done without faith is sin. It might not, might not be no obvious things, but anything done without faith is sin. That's what the word of the Lord declares. Galatians 5 and 22. Galatians 5, 22, verse 23. Can I get a, a reader? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Amen. Amen. That's a blessing right there. There is, against such there is no law. There are no rules. There are, there is nothing. In other words, the, you know what law, the law does? It forces you to do something. How many people in here? Live life afraid of the law. You know why you don't. You know why you don't live life afraid of the law? Because you ain't doing nothing to break it. Come on, and it's the same thing. Once, once, once I love the Lord thy God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and I love my neighbor as myself. Guess what? There ain't no more laws. Because I'll keep the other laws. All the other laws are fulfilled in those. Amen? That's a blessing. Because, see, the law can only put you in jail. The law can only confine you. There is no liberty where there's law. If the law isn't Lord, I mean, if, if the spirit isn't Lord, then a spirit, if the spirit, the spirit isn't Lord, then a spirit will be Lord. In other words, you'll have a ma- you, you, you won't have a master. You're going to obey something. Amen? One, one forces you. The other is a choice. Amen? If the, Spirit of the Lord, if the Spirit of the Lord isn't Lord, then there is no liberty, which means Satan is exercising some degree of governmental authority over us. In other words, man, authority means mean, he, he is authorized. He has authority. Not only not, when we are not under the government of God, Satan has authority. He, in other words, he is authorized. He got permission. Man, my God. 
but by a choice. All we got to do is make a choice. And he can have no authority. If the spirit isn't Lord, what we think, feel, say, and do is under some degree of satanic government. Galatians 5, 19. Galatians 5 and 19. Galatians 5, 19 and 20. Y'all bear with me. Holman Christian Standard Bible. I'm going to read this one. Yes, ma'am. 519. We're going to do 19 and 20. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and, any, and anything similar. I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We cannot be heir to what we are not a part of. That's like me. I got a net worth of $5 million and I own 45, 50 properties right here in Florence, South Carolina. Right? The only person, the only people that have that, that can that can get that is my sons and daughters. Nobody that's like you asking me to have an inheritance under something that you're not a part of. It, ain't, it, we, it don't work like that. We have to be a part of the government to receive the inheritance. We have to be under the kingdom of God to receive the inheritance. In other and it can't be worked for. It's an inheritance. Amen. We get in, man. We 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 take part of that inheritance by making a choice. Those who have outbursts of anger, hate, people who are sexually immoral and promiscuous, are, and are selfish in life, not wanting to live for God, only socializing cliques, will not enter the kingdom of God. Their actions are proof that they are not under the kingdom of God. Why? Their actions, thoughts, and words are proof that they are not under kingdom government. In other words, they were never truly baptized in the Holy Spirit or recklessly stewarded their baptism because of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is God's supreme governmental force or, or God's ability to govern our mental state. And he'll, he'll, and he'll never do it by force. He'll never do it by force. That's going to take a yielding. People... Those type of people can't inherit the kingdom of God because they are under satanic government. When we're under satanic government, the only thing that we can inherit is that which is of Satan. We inherit generational curses. You know, we, 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 inherit, we inherit financial issues. We inherit, uh, 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 we inherit just mental bondage. Mental bondage, which actually leads to physical bondage. And, if, you're, and if, you, if you're bound physically, then guess what? You already know that your soul is in some type of bondage. Because as it is in the flesh, so it is in the spirit. Amen? These people can't inherit the kingdom of God. Their actions and thoughts and words are proof of that. The church and the Holy Spirit's position. Where the spirit of the Lord is, or where the spirit is Lord, there is liberty. Okay, Paul wants us to grasp the extent 
of the supreme sovereignty of the Holy Spirit in the church. In the church, the Holy Spirit is to have complete control. The church is supposed to be made up of a body of people who have all yielded themselves to the lordship of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, when they gather together, liberty is released. Okay, so and, and just kind of piggybacking on that, what do, we, what do we see on Sundays? That ain't the result of one person. That's the result of a body of people that act as one person. Amen? That's the result of a body of people. Liberty from sickness and disease, liberty from sin and Satan, liberty from demonic oppression, liberty from doubt and fear. The church is supposed to be a place in which the saints can come together and those who are bound know that they can come in the midst of us as believers and get free. Come on. Where the spirit of the Lord is, God is free to do whatever he wants to do as long as we don't quench the spirit. As long as, as, long as the members of the church whom the spirit isn't Lord over but have influence in the church hinder God's ability excuse me God's ability to bless through the, the, the Holy Spirit literally will be s- severely hindered and so I, I'll just put uh, I'll just say you know and I'm sure we all probably been places like this where everything's kind of stuck to a program you know, even if God do kind of want to break out, they're going to quench it, bring it on in. So nobody, you know, people never really experience true deliverance and things of that nature because the person's will is magnified over the will of the Lord. The will of the Lord is not the, 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 the prime factor. It's not the motivating factor behind anything. It's just that they want to motivate. Amen. Liberty can't be self-defined. It must be God-defined. 2 Corinthians 3 and 17 is a verse concerning the liberty of the spirit when we as believers gather corporately. But this text has been mishandled, misapplied, misused more than we can probably count. People have used it to disrupt service, put put on a a flesh show and act like something that they're not and, and act as a rallying tool to get everybody in the church excited and motivated. So, you know, that, that, that scripture is just kind of being, it's being used as a, uh, as a hype point. You know, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And then, you know, everybody run around and then everybody dance. Not saying that that ain't going to take place, but it's more to it than that. Amen? It's more to it than that. The text has been, the text has been mishandled. People have, people have used it to disrupt services. I've been there. We've, we've used it to put on a show. Run, 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 dance, and act like it's nothing to do. Act like it has nothing to do with what that verse actually means. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is actually liberty. The key in not twisting this verse is understanding that liberty can't be self-defined. It must be God-defined. So God, God must define liberty. And and the only way that we know what liberty is. Is, is if liberty is expressed through a move of God, through a freedom. When somebody gets, somebody, somebody gets, is broken free from years of bondage. We ain't talking about just a motivated speech that leaves me on a high, but when I leave out the door, I'm back at a low. In an atmosphere where the spirit of God is properly cultivated, you can leave saturated. What you came in, you can leave with. 
and you will leave with a provoking to pursue on, on into the things of God, to maintain what it is that you got while you were in the house. That's what the gathering of the saints is for. That's what, that's what we gather for, that we, we, can, we can be strengthened, encouraged in one another. We can be blessed by God. We can be empowered by God. And when we leave, we can have what we left with. Amen? The Holy Spirit's limitations. It does have, everybody say, the Holy Spirit got limitations. And it's a big part right here now. And, you know, this is just the word of God now. 1 Corinthians 14, verse number 32 through 33. Holman Christian Standard Bible. And the prophets and the prophet's spirits are under the control of the prophets. Who controls the spirit? Who controls the spirit? Who controls the spirit? No, I'm trying to get everybody on one accord. Who controls the, who, who controls the spirit? All right, now, okay. All right, yeah, sorry. Who controls the spirit? My God. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Come on, it's right there. That's the word of God. But it, we, now I don't want y'all to think that it's just only a prophet that controls the spirit. That's not per se what it's saying. Since God is not a God of disorder but of peace, all right. Basically, basically what that word is saying is that the spirit that, that we that, that the God's spirit is under subjection to us, to our will. That's why the Bible talks about quenching the spirit of God. Don't quench the spirit of God. In other words, we have in other words, God can only get glory. When he operates through our free will. If if there if it's any other way, then he is he, he's he's a, he's a taskmaster. If he makes you do something, he's a taskmaster. God co-labors with man. In other words, he's working while I'm working. And we're working together for one cause. Amen? That verse is communicating to us an eternal principle concerning the nature of the Holy Spirit, how it works through us as believers. The spirit will never override the will and personality of the believer. We're putting up checkpoints right now. The spirit will never override the believer. It has, it has to flow through you by free will. But it ain't going to make you do nothing. It ain't going to make us do nothing. The spirit will never override the personality and, individ, and, and the individual the personality of the individual believer and compel him or her to do something that their personality and will didn't come into agreement with. In other words, the Holy Spirit never forces us to do anything. The limits of the Holy Spirit's work in us. No one can say if they begin shouting, speaking in tongues loudly, running around the church, dancing or the like, that's because the Holy Spirit flowing in them and they couldn't stop it. Come on, yeah, that need to be said again. So we need to understand what we're dealing with here now. No one can say if, the, if they begin shouting, speaking in tongues loudly, running around the church, dancing, or the like, that, that because of the Holy Spirit is flowing in them, they couldn't stop it. 
I've heard people, I just couldn't help it. I can't help it. That ain't God. If you can't help it, that ain't God. Amen? Let's be clear on that. That's a, that's a, it's a pseudo spirit. They couldn't, hit, they couldn't stop it or they couldn't help it or the Holy Spirit made me do it. The Holy Spirit never violates our right to always exercise, to always exercise our own personal will. I'm telling you, God gets glory from our will being willfully submitted to his. If he's making you do anything, he ain't getting no glory out of that. It's like, it's like I'm asking my daughter, I'm telling my daughter to clean her room. It's a mess. She got baby dolls everywhere. She got, she got toys everywhere. The bed ain't made. Woo, woo, woo. If I tell her to do that, you don't get no kudos for that. But if she does it on her own, on her, with her own will, you understand what I'm saying? Amen? That's, that's, when, that's when, you know, she'll, she'll get a praise. She'll get glory. Okay, even if, the, even if the Holy Spirit begins to move within us, we can by our own will stop him in the midst of, of, of moving through us. And we've seen that happen as well. You know, you know, I've seen people, you know, under, under, under the unction of the Holy Ghost prophesying and just stop. Not necessarily a bad thing, but they stopped it because that's what they wanted to do. They, over, they overrode. If God wanted to continue, they stopped it. If God, you know what I'm saying? Like they, they, in other words, what I'm saying is we have the ultimate control over that. Now it's up to us to yield, to let God do what he wants to do through us. But we have ultimate control over that. We can quench the spirit. We don't want to quench the spirit, but we can. The distinction between genuine and counterfeit manifestations of the spirit, the main, this is the main distinction, distinction between a genuine manifestation of the spirit from a satanic, counterfeit, demonic manifestation. God never usurps the will of a, or personality of a believer. He'll never override you. He'll never override me. The Holy Spirit will operate through our will and personality if we permit him to do so but he'll never set our will and personality aside. Satan makes slaves. God makes sons. And sons do what? Sons obey. The Holy Spirit will never force, but instead place a responsibility on us to follow. Amen? And I'm going to let uh, the, uh, Elder, Elder Marcia is going to do the rest of this portion. Filling out their sheets and and paying attention. Because the answers are right in the word. Just follow along and you can fill it out now. And that way you won't have to go back and listen to, uh, you know, this teaching again and get the answers. When you got it, you can turn it in tonight. Amen? Amen. So we're going to move forward to um, the spirit must be Lord. Where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. 
where the spirit can be our Lord, we have liberty. Where there is intangible and corporal spirit, someone who won't force you to do anything, but will guide you and give you the strength and the power to think, talk, act as God would have you to do. Is master, there is liberty. It's not until the spirit, the third person of the Trinity and Lord, is Lord, someone who won't force you to do anything, yet you do everything he tells you to do, that we have liberty. So again, that means you're not forced to do anything. Were you forced to come here tonight? Were you forced to take one of those sheets? Were you forced to pay your tithe and offering? The, the Lord would never force us to do anything. The Holy Spirit is a unique type of Lord. In order for us to benefit from the Spirit's liberty, we must voluntarily acknowledge and submit to his lordship. He must be lord, but of a different sort. A lord or master that doesn't make me do anything. My obedience to him is out of love, not out of him lording over me. Obedience is better than what? He have loveth me, keeps my word. He that loveth me, keeps my word. I obey the Holy Spirit as Lord because he gives me the power to love Jesus. That was, that was heavy right there. Who gives us power to love Jesus? Because other than that, what we know though, what we know? The Spirit gives us power to love Jesus. The difference between the law and the spirit. And here's where we're going to do some engaging and activity. I'm going to ask a couple of questions. And I want to hear you answer. And again, like Elder Brian said, we'll eat any, many, many more if we have to. <laughs> but just volunteer and be engaging. This is for us. Perfecting of the saints. The saints is who? Us. P-O-T-S, perfecting of the saints. That would be us. And we are to make disciples, so how can we make disciples if we don't know the word? If we don't know what we stand on, because there will be opposition out there. And so we need to know without a shadow of a doubt so that we don't second guess, well, maybe he could be right. Well, maybe she could be right. No. No. I'm standing on a firm foundation what I've been taught and what we've gone back to study and make sure that we all know. And we thank apostle and lady in their absence that they, you know, the Lord gives them this for us. They want us to know. They want us to be equipped. And this is what this is. It's not, oh, we got another class and we got, no, we want to be equipped. We want to be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. And we don't want to be tossed to and fro every time something happens. We know we've been equipped to handle it. We've been equipped to handle it a different way than we would if we were in the world. So again, the Holy Spirit is a unique type of Lord. 
In order for us to benefit from the Spirit's liberty, we must voluntarily acknowledge and submit to his lordship. He must be lord, but of a different sort, a lord or master that doesn't make me do anything. My obedience to him is out of love, not out of him lording over me. He that loveth me keeps my word. I obey the spirit as Lord because he gives me the power to love Jesus. I thought that was worth reading again. Okay, again, the difference between the law and the spirit. The Holy Spirit places much more responsibility on the believer than does the commandments. The law makes slaves. The spirit makes sons. The law makes us slaves or people who are forced to talk and act in a way that we don't want to. You know, slavery is forced labor, forced actions, and forced ways of doing things. And, and in that, it's still a choice. You have a choice to be a slave or not. You have a choice to obey or not. Nobody forces you. Our God is too loving to force us to do anything. He gives us a free will. You can choose me or you can choose him. And him is Satan. So we're going to um, move on and I'll say again, the Holy Spirit makes sons who willingly respond and follow the voice of their father. The Spirit comes to free us from slavery and make us sons who love the Father, love his will, and love the things of the Spirit. So here's where it gets interactive. When I pray, I don't pray as a slave that has to, but as a son who wants to. So who can give an example of a slave that has to, an example that uh, a son. Do, 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 do. So I think a slave prayer person is a person that um, repeats a, a prayer. Uh, I'm, what I'm trying to say is like, um, what are those people called? Uh, Muslim. They pray a specific prayer all the time. I think that's a slave prayer because it doesn't come from the heart. And with the spirit, when you're praying in the spirit, it comes from the heart. You, you're having a conversation with the Lord. If that makes sense, I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm. I'm following you. Mm -hmm. I mean that to me, that's that's kind of like a slave prayer because uh, you just you're repeating something that someone taught you, and you why why are you saying it? Anybody maybe. else?
Okay. And I also wanted to piggyback off of them. Because, like, with Muslims, they have to pray at a certain angle, like a corner or something. They got to get on all fours, and they got to recite a prayer. And see, with us, we can just, we can pray on our knees. We can pray standing up. We can pray however we want, as long as it's from the heart. Theirs is more of a practice, and ours is more, we have more freedom. And that's what I want to say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank y'all. Y'all pass the mic to Don, please. I love it. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Oh, say a slave prayer is routine, meaning three times a day I got to pray at these times. And um, the spirit, when you're led by the spirit to pray, it's consistent. Like it's pray without ceasing. I didn't understand that until I got in certain situations. And every, you know, just, just my thoughts is a, a prayer. So it's a consistent prayer, like a consistent prayer life, if that makes sense. Amen. Um. I want to say on the contrary to to what everybody else is saying, I think basically, from my understanding, like a slave prayer is somebody who only prays when they're in trouble. Come on. Um, Come on. I like to quote, uh, if you only pray when you're in trouble, then you're in trouble. But, you know, when you freely pray, then you basically praying to communicate with God. You ain't just asking him for something. Right. Also listening. So. Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all. Yes. Oh, yes. Good, because I was like, a oh, slave yes. is like praying with an expectation for something. So, like, you're 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 praying, you're praying because you want to, um, like a slave, like, oh, well, let me pray because I want $100 by tomorrow. So, I must, like, it's like a routine, like you said, and you're praying for something. And then, like a slave, it's like a faith thing, I guess, if that makes sense. Um. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's like a faith thing. You're not praying for, like, an expectation. You're just praying in faith that you already know it's already happening or something like that. Yeah, if that makes sense. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. Thank you all so much. Okay. Hey, Precious. Hey, y'all. Um, so what I wrote down was um, praying out of, like, an obligation um, so there are times where you feel like you're obligated to pray and, um, it's not, that would be considered like a slave prayer because you're doing it out of obligation, but you're not recognizing like, you know, it's like, you're not waking up saying, you know what, Lord, I want you, you know, I have a desire. I want to seek you today. You know, I want to be at your feet today. You know, it's like, I'm feeling obligated to do it because I'm in ministry. So yeah, that's what I wanted to say. That's good. So we're going to go on to the next one. That was prayer. So when I give, I don't give as a slave that has to, but I give as a son that wants to. Anybody? When I give, when I give, I don't give as a slave. I give as a son because I want to. What's the difference? 
same. It's two more. We're going to go through this. So it's give, it's suffer, it's indulge, and it was pray. So get ready, y'all. Anybody? Okay, so this one is to give, right? When I give, I don't give as a slave that has to, but I give as a son that wants to. Well, when you give as a slave, again, it's not from the heart. You just give it. And God don't want that anyway. He don't want he wants a cheerful giver. Number number 1. So you have a hard heart when you give like that. And you're not going to get nothing back. I mean, what's the point of giving it? It's just like, you know, just knowing that scripture uh, to not to, to give cheerfully. And then if you don't give cheerfully, what's the point of giving? Just take it back. Just Might as well give. keep it. Just keep it. Because that's what the spirit, you know, giving in the spirit is cheerfully and um and giving God, you know, it's just like when you give a gift, you you give a gift and you want that person to just love your gift and you, you're so thankful to be given this gift. You want them to love it. That's how that's how the Lord feels about us. He wants us to give to him cheerfully. He loved that versus us having a hard, cold heart when we give like cold. <laughs> when we giving gifts like, no, I don't want it. Absolutely not. So that's my take on it. I look at it as like when you give, you know, you're not boasting about it. You know, you give because that's what your heart's feeling freely to do. You know, and you're doing it out of love. You know, you're not doing it because, oh, God, I just got to give this to this person. And then, yeah, yeah, later on, yeah, I did give that to her and blah, 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 blah. No, that's not, that's a gift, a giving of slavery, but a giving of love, I mean, a giving of because you want to, you're not going to boast about it. You're not going to sit there and tell everybody what you have done for that person. You're giving it out of love. You're giving out of purity. You're giving out of freedom because, you know, that's the heart of God. Amen. Anybody else? Baby, baby. Like, slavery in general, they was always told to do something without question. So, like, I feel like giving as a slave, like somebody telling you to give, but you don't got a desire to give. But, like, Come on, uh, freely giving is like you you know you're going to give. And you got you have the desire, and you know he's going to double whatever you give, basically. Can I ask, are you speaking monetarily or giving, period? Because um, when, I, when I thought of giving, giving um, as a slave, not just monetarily, but our time, you know, giving, giving and working when we're called to, I believe that, you know, even just looking at all of what you're saying, it's about our perspective. How do we grab a hold of the word and want to actually operate or walk according to the gospel? 
if we are giving as a slave, we are our perspective are, is not God's perspective. If we're giving as a slave, our we're not grasping a hold, and I'm going back to a message that Apostle preached of God's emotion concerning the church, concerning the body. We're not, we're not doing it according to that. So slave giving is out of your flesh. It's not out of the will of God. So when we do give our time, our, mon- our, our money, we, we don't feel that when it's being asked, we have a, a hard heart that we're forced Give and it shall be given. We we actually give God back his word when we do things. And he blesses us because we obediently surrender ourselves to his will. All right, that's all I got. Amen. Amen. This is good. This is good. To hear everybody sharing and not just the same ones, but everybody. And that's what it's all about, y'all. Okay. We're going to go on to... um. Uh, what was next? Indulge. When I don't indulge in the things of the world, I don't deny myself as a slave who has to, but as a son who wants to. Any meanie? Any meanie? <laughs> when I don't indulge in the things of the world, I don't deny myself as a slave who has to, but as a son who wants to deny myself. It's like indulging, like, um, let me not watch this movie because I got a thing on the brace scene tomorrow. Um, and try to like keep yourself from things because you have an obligation instead of just not doing it at all. Um, like, and because low key, when you try not to do things, you still kind of want to do it. So it's just like you're, um, yeah, like I said, like you trying to, oh, let me stop listening to this for right now because I have to see tomorrow, but then go back and listen to it. Um, but then if you, if you desire God, you don't want to listen to it at all. You don't have the desire, so you don't even have to worry about, oh, I. I can. I want to go back. So yeah. Amen. Anybody else? Do it. When I don't indulge in things of the world, I don't deny myself as a slave who has to, but as a son who wants to deny themselves.
Amen. We got one more, and then we're going to speed up a little. When I choose to suffer instead of use the temporal carnal methods of the world to get ahead in life, I don't suffer as a slave that has to. I suffer as a son that wants to. When I choose to suffer instead of use the temporal carnal methods of the world to get ahead in life, I don't suffer as a slave that has to. I suffer as a son that wants to. think I would just sum that all up in one word. It's just love. Um, and the reason I speak that word is because when you love someone, you know, we all say we love God. And so we want to do the things and suffer the things of God. But it's like when you love another person, you will suffer the things for that person. And so that's how I look at, you know, I love God. I love Jesus. So the things that he, I will suffer, I have eternal life ahead of me. So I'm not worried about, you know, the things that are temporal now. And so uh, the kernel things, and I'll just suffer the things now because I know where I'm going to be when the Lord comes. But that's love. You got to have a, I would think I chose the word love because you, you have to have that love to suffer these things, in my opinion, that love for God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like, like slave suffering is like when you're going through something, you're always complaining. So you ain't gonna get nowhere. But when like when it comes to like you suffering to what God wants you to do, it ain't complaining, you just gonna take everything, you know, that he put on you. Because at the end of the day, it's gonna come out to be a greater, like something great at the end. I'm going to piggyback a little bit off of what Matthew said, but it's it's the power that we know we have to learn to endure because God said what we think is for our bad, you know, he always turns it around for our good. So, you know, we have to learn to to to, to go through the to go through the battle and, and, you know, man the storm, you know what I'm saying, and come out on the other side of victory. So I, I put endurance, you know, we learn through the spirit to endure you know, and without going to the carnal side and trying to make things happen, we just wait on God to, to let it happen. Amen. Anybody else? Then we're going to move on. Elder Shepard. I think um, all, all, all of those examples are, are great um, when you're talking about um, doing things as a slave versus doing things as a son, doing things as a slave that has to, as opposed to doing things as a son that wants to. And that's the contrast there, regardless of what the situation is. It goes back to what a couple people said. 
um, about your, your heart posture. It's about your heart posture. At the end of the day, anything that we do, whether it be grudgingly, whether it be because we've been made to do it or told to do it, that could be coming to church. The only reason I'm coming to church is because right. somebody sent a message today that said, come to church, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> or the only reason I'm giving is because we got a set time that we're supposed to give this. I really don't understand why we got to give this every month. Or, you know, whether it be, you know, that's monetarily even our time. You know what I'm saying? Or why we got to volunteer for this? Why we got to volunteer for that? You know, um, it puts me in the mind of the spirit of religion. You know, the spirit of religion is like, okay, I have to pray. I have to pray. I have to pray. And if I don't pray, I'm going to condemn myself because uh, I didn't pray five times today, you know, so I'm less than or what have you as opposed to, um, like someone said over here, having that communication with God, having that relationship with God. It just flows naturally. And as you grow in God, you're not going to look at stuff as I can't do this list of things. You're going to look at stuff as I get to do. Yes. Your whole mindset changes now from that yes. slave to I have to do this. I have to go to church. I, I have to stop listening to this music. I have to live right to man. I get to worship God. I get to sow. I get to you know, fellowship with the saints. It's a privilege at that point. So your whole mindset changes. Um, we may come into this thing because we do need the law. The law is necessary. We don't want to throw that all the way out. But I believe Apostle said it one time before, you, you do the have to until the want to comes. Yes. I do what I have to do until the want to comes. Eventually, as I keep going, the desire is just going to come, and it's not going to be somebody got to make me do it. It's not going to be... Somebody got to call and check on me and see if I'm actually living right outside of the church. It's going to be a, it's a switch. It's going to be a, a new heart that God gives you, right? He gives us everything mm -hmm. that we need. He gives us everything that he wants us to give back to him. And so it's, it switches from that I have to to I get to. Um, that's, that's what I would say the difference between that slave mentality and the son mentality. He also said, just to piggyback off of what you said, Apostle said, speak it till you see it. Even though if you don't see it now, speak it until you see it. And this, that's faith. That's believing what you're saying. We're going to move on to uh, the way the kingdom functions. Was that good, everybody, though? Was that a good interaction? Yeah. Amen. In God's government, we do everything God expects us to do. We submit to him as master and Lord. We obey him in everything, but not out of force, but out of love. The kingdom of God functions by love, humility, and submission, not force. The Holy Spirit and the scripture. The Holy Spirit is both the author and the interpreter of the scriptures, which means that the Holy Spirit will never direct a believer to think, say, or do anything that's contrary to the word. We know that to be true, right? If it don't line up with the word, then it's not of God. He'll never even mention divorce to you because you're unhappy in your marriage because that violates principles of scripture. He'll never tell you to just walk off a job after you signed a contract of commitment to do that job. 
He'll never tell you to do anything that will in any way oppose or conflict with the logos or written word of God. This places another tremendous responsibility on the spirit baptized believer to study and familiarize themselves in any depth way to the truths, principles, and and revelations of the scripture. The Holy Spirit and the witness of the scriptures. We must be acquainted with the mind of the Holy Spirit as revealed in the scriptures and make sure that the actions we're claiming as spirit-led harmonize or are in agreement with the principles and examples given by the scripture. Because in other words, we'll, we'll, we often find ourselves saying, but the Lord told me to do that. Or, yeah, this was the Lord. We'll put his name on a lot of things. And he didn't even say none of that. Somebody told you it, but wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was the Spirit that told you it, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Because if it don't line up with the word, then it's not of God. The Holy Spirit and the witness of the scriptures again. We must be acquainted with the mind of the Holy Spirit as revealed in the scriptures and make sure that the actions we're claiming as spirit-led harmonize or are in agreement with the principles and examples given by the scriptures. Satan's desire for deception. Satan looks to take advantage of those who are spiritually gifted but biblically deficient. Ooh, what does that mean? What does that mean? Anybody want to say? Let me read that again. Satan looks to take advantage of those who are spiritually gifted, but biblically deficient. What does that mean? Anybody? Plain and simple. Don't know the word. And this is why, again, this is so important. This is why, yes, yes, we have another class. Because it's so important that we know the word for ourselves. We ought to be hearers and doers. And we ought to know the word for ourselves. Okay, here we go. Again, Satan looks to it. Take advantage of those who are spiritually gifted but biblically deficient. Know the word. He attempts to use spiritually endowed and charismatic individuals, as we see daily, individuals who are biblically ignorant to release spiritual manifestations in the church, which contradict biblical truth. But because they are spiritually gifted, attribute to their actions to the inspiration to the Holy Spirit. So let me say that again. Because they are spiritually gifted, they attribute their actions to the inspiration to the Holy Spirit. And it's really not. It's of themselves. It's of themselves. That's again like praying. You you pray to commune with God. You're communing with God. If you're sitting there making up something to say, trying to figure out what to say, the Lord gives you what to say. So you really don't have to figure it out. That's forced because then you're trying to make up something yourself. And it's, But you can tell 
whether it's the spirit or his flesh. Satan's agenda is to get the church of Jesus Christ to accept satanic manifestations as manifestations of the Holy Spirit, therefore blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. Anytime we call the work of Satan the work of the Holy Spirit and vice versa, we are blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Matthew 12, 24 through 32. Can somebody read that? Matthew 12, 24 Amen, amen. We're going to move on to the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness. Jesus was doing the work of casting out demons through the governing power of the Holy Spirit. And the religious leaders claimed that he was doing it out of demonic and devilish inspiration. Jesus immediately began talking about government. Every kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. No government divided against itself has the power to govern. It can't stand. In other words, the proof that I am not casting out demons through demonic power is in the fact that I have the authority to govern demons and command them and tell them to go. 
it's proof that it is it's proof that it was not demonic government but the kingdom of God or divine government God and just to know that you you're, you're doing the work of God but you're 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 being accused of being a demon you're being accused of of working demonic powers. My God. And he came so that we could have life. He paid the ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice. How many would do that? My God. The core of blasphemy. Jesus goes on to the point. Jesus goes on to point out that they are blaspheming the Holy Spirit or demeaning, slandering the government or God. They were calling God's government satanic government. So obviously they were calling satanic government divine government. If we blaspheme the work of the spirit, call it satanic, and it is a work of God, then there is no forgiveness. Isn't that the condition of much of the modern charismatic church today? They are calling the work of satanic spirits God's work and the work of God satanic. They are committing the unpardonable sin through the deceptive work of Satan. Think about how people attribute acts that are obviously not inspired by the Holy Spirit as Holy Spirit inspired. They won't be forgiven in this age nor in the age to come. True spiritual liberty. Is everybody following along? Filling out your sheets? It's very important that we turn in our sheets. And so we decided to change from you taking them home to filling them out here so that we can make sure that, you know, everybody's on the same page. Everybody's learning at the same pace. And we don't want to leave anybody behind. But it's your choice. It's a choice. It's what, all the questions are on that sheet. The lesson may be a little longer, but all the lessons are on that sheet that you need. True spiritual liberty. True spiritual liberty consists of acknowledging the effective lordship over the Holy Spirit in the church. And that's it. That's the last question. Anybody need any, um, have any questions, need me to go back to something? I don't know what the what's on the quiz sheet. I'm not sure what what you're asking. Elder Shells, can you see? Help. I'm not sure what yes, you're saying. I don't um, have a quiz. Question one, um, part C. So it's um, that's what we're talking about. What Lord means and what liberty means. 
2 Corinthians 3.17 could read. That's at the beginning. And um, basically, and it's kind of long, so uh, <laughs> where the spirit, it could read where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, or where there are believers who belong to the spirit as their master. Mm-hmm. Where the Holy Spirit has power to decide what's said, what's done, and what's thought in their life, there's liberty. So to shorten that up, you can put where the Spirit is master, there's liberty. Mm. Any other questions? Because while we're here, we, we, can, we can get them answered and make sure that we turn in our sheets completed and that you have full understanding that's the most important part that you have full understanding of the lesson and if you miss any questions now of course we are recording uh we do record these nights and so it'll be posted um the link will be up to the podcast will be posted on telegram and you can go back and listen and and fill in as as we as you go um, just make sure that if you do have to take your sheets home tonight, that you bring them back at the next uh, POTS group. Now, you don't have to wait till that long right. if you finish it before then, but that is when it's due. Any more questions? We're happy to answer. All right, I guess that's it. We'll close out.